You know, I can't express how much I love any crusader out there fighting for the little guy or little gal or little they or them, whatever. I'm open. Dave Ramsey is and always has been a champion for the people who need a leg up. Love him for that. You know, that's really rare in today's world of business. But during my 16 years watching young people, you know, would-be first-time homebuyers play a seemingly unwinnable game, I learned a few things. They're working on debt, credit, saving to eventually get into a position to buy their first home. You know, there's lots of ways to skin the cat to buy your first home. But Dave's old way is just not working in this new world. What is up, my How to Buy Homies? Welcome to the How to Buy a Home podcast. I hope you like that name, How to Buy a Homies, because I love it and I'm sticking to it. I'm David Sidoni, and this is the leading authority podcast for all you first-time homebuyers out there. If you're new to the show and you clicked on this because you love Dave Ramsey and you wanted to hear what kind of idiot with just a small niche following would dare blaspheme, well, I know you might think that I'm here going to be spewing hate and talking to people, trying to get them to buy homes so I can get rich. Cool. Rad. I'm glad that you're here and I love that you have an opinion. I've got one too. I really enjoy discord and debate. I can guarantee if you listen to at least a decent portion of my podcast recording catalog, you'll find that I've been disagreeing with Dave's old school philosophy for years. Not in a hateful, make me money kind of way, but in a mathematical way that's best for my clients kind of way. Now, I had to bring it up now because I've seen a lot of peeps online recently here at the beginning of 2022. They're all chirping about how dumb his philosophies are. I mean, I've seen some really harsh stuff. Now, I could spit condescending stuff too. And the financial advisors out there that are all trying to get ahead and they're trying to do their thing and push the argument further down the road, you know, the more that they move the needle, then the more people pay attention to them, the bigger chance that they can get more clients. And remember, on the internet especially, angry and loud opinions sell. You don't believe me? Look at Sports Talk Radio. How about the news networks or Buzzline? And my very least favorite of them them all, Stephen A. Smith. I say again to you, Stephen, if you're listening, louder does not mean more correct. Look, I don't know if you've seen people dissing Dave Ramsey on TikTok or Instagram like I have. Maybe my algorithm's a little different than yours and you don't have a bunch of real estate stuff on your free you page. But, you know, there's a lot of hate at Dave right now because he tells people to save 20% for a home. So for all the haters out there that are using all the current 2021 stats, yeah, that's how they're getting this great big buzz and getting you to listen to them. And they create a new philosophy on how much you should put down for a house. Now, I've been saying this forever. But you're hearing a lot of, well, you're not hearing it. My lame for you page is, but the headlines are sexy right now. And that's because they have these gigantic stats from 2021 showing that if you bought a home with three and a half percent down or 5% down at the beginning of the year, the average first time buyer this year, they only use 6% down. And these people know that. Well, the average equity that you would have gained by the third quarter of 2021, $56,700. So... Young people who are just starting to figure out what's going on in the world, you know, by the time you get to Dave Ramsey, you're like, dude, I'm ready to be an adult. 
cool. So now you've started adulting. And Dave's advice is to save 20% down. Well, while you're being an adult and working on your debt, you're also looking at Zillow and the math's not adding up. So a lot of people are barking back. They're going, dude, I could have got in with a low down payment and I would have made $56,700 on my house this year. Okay. So that's what I've seen out there. Okay. Let's get into the debate. As I said, I could scream and yell about how old school Dave is. I can tell you how mathematically it makes no sense that with rent so high and still going up, predicted to be up 7.1% next year in 2022. So that would be this year, actually. And home mortgage rates still being insanely low at 3%. With today's numbers, I have no doubt how right I would be if I just spit that at you. But real estate is fluid and numbers change annually. And last year, that was an anomaly. So the numbers look huge for the people screaming on the internet, but let's get a little settled down here. If you listen to my podcast, I've been disagreeing with Dave Ramsey's philosophy of 20% down when it wasn't so jarringly mathematically obvious. I've been preaching this for 16 years when interest rates were at 7% and when the market was tanking. I've been saying that although I love the care and concern that Dave Ramsey has for all his clientele, he's helped millions of people get out of debt. And for most people following these old school financial tips, well, it can cost you a ton in this new real world economy, the new real world of low interest rates and out of control skyrocketing rents. I've even mentioned that on previous podcasts, so let's get into it. I got curious because back when I started out in 2006 for my real world first time home buyers, so Dave's formula is get out of debt, save some money, have a reserve, save up 20% to buy a house, buy the house, and then pay it off in 15 years. Cool. Well, when I first heard that back in 2006, when I first started in real estate, I got kind of curious about that order, you know, of what you need to do to make yourself financially secure. Because what that meant was paying skyrocketing rents for at least two or, or three years while you're getting out of debt. And then eventually building up your reserve account. And then when you finally get to that last step, now you have this seemingly unsurmountable task of saving 20% down payment for your first house. You add it all up and you could be looking at five to 10 years of renting while you're trying to work the safe and stable formula. Yeah, and all the while, while you're doing that, that rent, it's your largest monthly payout. So I got curious back in 2006. I did the math and I realized that I completely fundamentally disagreed with this financial guru who has helped millions times more people than I have and who is known not only for his financial acumen, but his character and his purpose. So my curiosity and experience grew and continued. And I kept doing the math for 16 years now. And I've decided that for many of you, after 16 years of learning all this, in terms of how and when to buy your first home, Dave Ramsey's dead wrong. In a new world, of low interest rates, rising inflation, and skyrocketing rents. I keep saying skyrocketing rents. Such a cheesy phrase, but that's the biggest I can get, guys. It's skyrocketing, right? Now, it's so skyrocketing, it's outpacing anything you could do while you're trying to save. The math shows that when it comes to paying rent versus trying to save up 20% down, the advice that you get to try to save that 20% not only 
will it not be able to build you as much wealth as you can get, but it might even cost you money in this market. And you can agree with me or disagree. It's all good. But aren't you a little bit curious and want to hear the math? We'll leave the judgment to all the internet trolls. I'm going to give you some math and you guys decide for yourself. Buckle up, gang. I don't know if you've seen the running time on this, but this is not going to be a short answer. You know, you can't disagree with a giant like Dave Ramsey who has decades of unselfish works changing, I don't know, hundreds of thousands of lives. And you can't do that with just a quick, short tweet. I know there's a bunch of people doing that because the 2021 math looks so good and it gets people so psyched up. I'm very aware that Dave Ramsey has a longer track record than me. So before I get into my deeper philosophies and principles, you know, just some of the main overarching ideas about how to financially prepare yourself for the future and build wealth, or before I share to you some of my client stories for people who have succeeded, not just in 2021, but all the way back when in the 2000, in the aughts, right? 2006, 7, 8, and 9, putting 3.5% down or 5% down. And those people did not go bankrupt, even though they went through the biggest crash in real estate history, 2008 to 2011. Before we get into all the, just the philosophies of everything, I'm going to start with cold, hard facts, data and math. I realized that a lot of people out there have passionate, intense thoughts about the philosophies of Dave Ramsey and his teachings, but passion alone without factual data can be wildly unsafe and extremely dangerous. So I'm asking you to stay curious. I'm not here to burn him with hot takes with the, using the 2021 numbers because they're so outrageous and they look so great. I'm not trying to make myself look smart and I'm not going to smug and look in the camera or into the microphone. That would be even weirder. Why look in a microphone? I do agree with some of Dave's common sense principles, but I do not agree on his philosophy on how to buy a home. Not even close. So let me start with some of the facts and the math. I'll save the deeper philosophical debate until after I've laid out all of the basic indisputable numbers that led me to flip it on the microphone. So after you get the numbers, then I'll discuss the advanced fiscal philosophies because there's a ton of them. Later on, I'm going to get into the advanced philosophical financial concepts in detail. But first, let me start with some facts. Facts first, you can't fight math gang numbers always win unless you use zeros and ones to make matrix equals and then sometimes they kind of suck so get ready for a whole lot of numbers and it might not be clear at you on the first pass but that's what podcasts are for rewind it you can always go to davidsedoni.com or howtobuyahome.com and read it especially if you can't sleep fact dave says never buy a home unless you're debt free have reserves and can put 20 percent down I have hours of thoughts on this, but let's start with the numbers. Math time. Okay, the median price in this crazy 2021 market, at the end of the third quarter, which is like almost towards the end of the year, in the United States, it was $374,900. So we'll just average that up and we'll call the whole year average price 375 at the end of the year. And we'll use that number, $375,000 for clarity. This is a purchase price number that I'm gonna use for this example. Now, bear in mind, this is the number that came after the crazy 19% growth of 2021. So as I move forward and I give you examples of what would happen, I'm talking about if you buy in 2022, this means you already missed the fun part 
the big sexy super 19%. So these are much more realistic numbers. The numbers that I've been giving on the podcast since 2019 and everyone else before that. Also, the odds are pretty good that that number of 375,000 is not exactly what homes cost in your neighborhood. But since it's the median, we're going to use that. So if you live someplace else where it's cheaper, let's say it's half as much, $187,500. Yeah, that's right. Well, then you can use my numbers and the examples I'm about to give and cut them in half. And if you live more in areas like I live, where it's $750,000 to buy a first-time buyer house, first of all, breathe. It's going to be okay. And second of all, in my examples that I give right now, you get to double the numbers. Isn't that fun? Okay, according to Rent Guide, the average two-bedroom rental right now is $1,896. A three-bedroom rental is $2,147. So here's the math. If you're looking at a median home that's $375,000, where the average rent is $1,895 for two-bed and $2,147 for three-bed. Here come the numbers. And again, these are the non-sexy post-2021 insane bananas growth number. And don't, you know, look back with regrets. It can still look good for you moving forward. Because the reason I'm not going to use the numbers for 2021 is because that's what people are using right now to debate Dave and any idiot yelling can make that look good. These are going to be the real numbers moving forward. So I did these numbers down to the penny, but when I read it out loud, I sounded like a freaking math professor and even I fell asleep. So what I did was I rounded it up to make more clear, but these are very specific numbers. Okay, so you're looking to buy the home at $375,000, 20% down, that's $75,000. Now I'm also going to add an overinflative and a conservative number because it's bigger than what you're probably going to pay. Let's call it 2% closing costs. 2% of $375,000 is $7,500. Again, I wanted to be overestimate rather than under so no one could yell at me. So your total cost to close, that's your 20% plus your closing costs, that's $82,500. With a 3% mortgage interest rate, you're going to pay $1,265 for your principal and your interest. That's the PI in PITI. Okay, told you it was going to be some numbers. Now, the taxes, they're going to be different everywhere. So we're going to be using the average tax amount of 1.25%. That's going to cost you $390. So you got $1,265 principal interest, and then the PIT, the T is the taxes, $390. And the last I is your homeowner's insurance, that's $50. Don't worry, I'll do the math for you. Total of $1,705. All right, so $375,000 house, 20% down, approximately $82,000 all in, and your total monthly payment, $1,705. Now that, not bad, right? That's awesome. You're 400 less than the average rent for a three-bedroom at $2,147. So awesome. All you need is $82,000. Crap. You need $2,000. Okay. So what if you got this option? What if you want about the same $375,000 house with 5% down? Okay, well, 5% down, that's $18,750 plus the 2% for closing costs. And again, that's the same. That's $7,500. $7, 
Now that total cost to close for you, $26,250. Not $82,500, $26,250. So that means you could buy the house today for $56,250 less than if you put 20% down. Think about it, how long would it take you to save $56,250? With a 3% mortgage rate, same mortgage rate, you're gonna pay, what is it? Uh, let's see, you're gonna be paying $1,552 a month. All right, you gotta get a bigger loan, so that means you're gonna be paying $287 more than if you put the full 20% down. Tax is the same at 1.25%, that's 390 bucks. Home insurance the same, 50 bucks. Now, here you have a new line item, an additional payment. This is not in the 20% scenario. This is the big thing that scares everyone away. You have mortgage insurance, sometimes called private mortgage insurance. It's PMI or MI. If you wanna understand what all this is, go back to episode 54 if you don't know what that means, but for now, just add it in. Now, if you've got a really good credit score, if you've got 760, it only is costing you $50.47 a month. So let's just say that now I've got to add an extra 50 bucks to it, okay? In this example, you've got the good credit, we add the 50 bucks, now the total for this house with 5% down instead of 20% down is $2,042. So here's how it works. In the summary, the 20% down payment is gonna cost you $1,705 a month. The 5% down payment option costs you $337 more every single month. Yes, that means it's more expensive. But let me do give you a little tangent side note to help you wrap your head around the philosophies that get me to where I'm going with all my math, okay? I'll get into, finish the rest of that equation in a minute, but let's think about this. Even if you had the 20% down today, you came to me and said, David, I wanna buy a house, I would at least present this scenario to you. Using a low down payment, in today's market, not using philosophies that were built 25 years ago, in today's low interest rate market, it might be the better option for you. You could buy with 5% down and you'd have $56,250 in the bank. That is the 15% that you didn't have to put down for the $375,000 home. If you just let that $56,250 sit there in the bank and every month you pulled out the difference, that $337 that it costs you more, you could do that for 166 months, just under 14 years. And that's not gonna be counting any of the interest that you might be gaining on your savings, which today it's not that much, but hey, you could move in and have nothing left in your bank account, or you could move in and have $56,250 in your bank account and pay that extra from the bank account for 14 years. All right, so what if you don't have the 20% down? We have more math for you. Remember, cut these numbers in half if you live in a $185,000 neighborhood and double them if you live in redonkulous Southern California or New York or San Francisco. Okay, how long is it gonna take you to save $56,250? And remember, you gotta save that amount while you're still paying rent. Let's weigh that time and weigh that money lost and let's weigh the equity gained. All of that that you get for $337 extra a month. Okay, how long to save $56,250? Okay, well first, let's assume that you're renting right now. If you don't, bitchin', good for you. Your numbers could be totally different. 
Okay, the biggest variable in the whole savings equation, trying to save the 20%, is that you're gonna pay on average that three bedroom average we talked about, $2,147. That money's gone every month. It's what we call a necessity. Yeah, I'm the old school dude preaching new school thoughts. Oh, I called myself old. Drink, age, drink. Wisdom and energy and passion. That's a freaky combo. That's what you get from this old guy right here. And that's the key that Big Dave, I think, seems to be missing. He's using old wisdom and not adapting to the new norm. Crazy high rents and the annual kick in the butt raises of your rent. It's affected how long it's going to take you to save $56,250. Now, again, your numbers could be different. So figure it out based on your 15% difference in your area. And then, you know, if you're lucky and you're living at home with mom, oh, maybe you're not lucky, plug in zero right there. And while you chill in the basement, good for you. I hope you enjoy your streaming services. Maybe you only pay $1,000 a month because you have a roommate. Or maybe you just have incredibly low standards and you pay $1,000 a month because you live in a dump and you have to have a gun for protection. Awesome. I don't know. Maybe you pay more than that and your numbers might be different because you're super bougie and you want to live in a fancy apartment. Wherever you are, I'm going to give you the math using the constant variable, and then you adjust that way. This equation is if you were renting for $2,147 a month. As a reminder, the payment with 5% down is $2,042 a month, and the payment with 20% down is $1,705 a month. Okay, if you're on the treadmill or working out, I feel free to pause it because those are so many numbers you probably want to just slap yourself in the face. Let's get back into it. So while you begin to decipher how long it's going to take you to save up your 15%, and again, the national average is 56250 but you do your own, let's be sure that you remember that whatever your current rent number is, that variable in the equation for the years that it's going to take you to, to save that up, it's going to change. You know, what they say is the old school equation is rents are going to go up 3% a year. <laughs> 3% will be awesome. In the last 10 years, rents have gone up closer to 7%. And in many places in the United States and Canada, the last 10 years have seen double digit percentage increases in rent. So keep that variant variable in mind. Okay, you're saving up $56,250 because you're going to rent and save up 20% but your budget's gonna change annually because your rent is gonna be higher. Now, put that in your spreadsheets, you Excel nerds. Whatever you could save this year, next year, your largest monthly bill, it's gonna be getting larger. And the year after that, it's gonna do the same thing. And that's gonna cut into the savings that you're trying to do. Oh, and by the way, the year after that, if it takes you three years, it's still gonna go up. Okay, so if you're there making your spreadsheet right now, God bless you and figuring out how long it's going to take to save $56,250. Let's go over the two main reasons that Uncle Dave and everyone else tells you you want to do the 20%. The 20% guideline is a rule that somebody made up, and here's the main reasons why. Number one is to be safe. I get it, but you're going to see that my retort when I come to discuss the fiscal philosophies, you're going to hear how, in my opinion, Many of these philosophies are based on dinosaur old school thinking, bad, incorrect, old wives tales. Oh, I can't believe I said, sorry, we need to cancel that term, old wives tales. That's, that's sexist. I apologize, everyone, but I'm not cutting it from the podcast because I just want to show you that I know what's up. 
And I think I just proved at 51 years old when I say I know what's up. <laughs> I'm just an idiot. So anyway, it's based on these old, old ways of thinking, the fear-based stuff and the fear-mongering headlines. But hey, that debate that's out there, it happens because the fear was there, but now they're not using today's facts and figures. But I understand that's reason number one. Reason number two for the big 20% guideline. Well, the reason number two is because you want to avoid the PMI. Because PMI used to be a lot more expensive. And that's a great philosophy, but it's bad math with old numbers. We've already established it in the current economic landscape. With good credit, your PMI, quote, savings, unquote, is 50 bucks a month. And in most cases, it's going to go away when the home hits a certain equity point. That's 78 to 80% equity point. If you don't know what that means, I'm not going to take time to explain that to you right now. That's in the PMI episode. And there's a whole bunch of information on that. But for now, just understand that PMI doesn't stay with you forever. I mean, even if it did stay with you for 10 years, which it likely won't, it's still only costing you 50 bucks a month. So you can keep paying astronomical rates while you try to save $56,000 in a unique market when home prices are going up and mortgage rates are going up at the same time. And all of that is to quote, save 50 bucks a month. That's $600 a year. So even if your PMI stays on the loan for, let's say it does stay for 10 years, then fantastic. You just saved $6,000. But you know what? Since you started listening to this podcast, the home that you looked at on Zillow last night, it just went up $6,000. See my point? All right, for funsies, let's keep breaking it down. Let's do the simple math on saving 20%. Now we understand the differences between the two. So how, how would you do that? What if you decided, you know what? I really am super conservative, David. You just don't know me. Like I truly, I wear a raincoat if it's even drizzling. Cool. All right, well, assume that you have $26,000, $250 to put the 5% down today, all right? Now, if you want to stick to the 20% rule, you have to save that other 56250 So first of all, before I even get into this, I just want you to know I'm totally on your side. If you bought that home with 5% down instead of doing the savings plan we're about to talk about, your payment is $2,042. That's already $105 cheaper than the average rent. So in that home you own, you're actually saving an extra $105 a month, but I'm not even going to mention that in these numbers. You know, I, I know that as a homeowner, you know, you're going to be saving money and, and maybe you'll have some extra expenses for maintenance. I get it. Landlord doesn't pay for everything. By the way, guys, a little side note, most major repairs, when you purchase a new home, the seller will actually buy a home warranty for you. And a lot of that stuff you get gets paid for, but I'm not going to be per stinkity. Not even going to mention that either. Or the $105 that it costs you less. Not going to mention it. Not again. So if today you've got the 26250 to put the 5% down and you want to avoid that terrible PMI because you believe in the guidelines and the higher mortgage payment, which by the way, the grand total of the higher mortgage payment is $337 a month. Okay, so you want to save that $337 a month because it doesn't make sense to buy a house right now. So you need to save $56,000. Well, that would mean if you saved $1,000 a month, it would take... 56 months for you to save that a little over four and a half years to save 
$337 a month. And remember, all the while that you're trying to save that $1,000 a month, you are still paying rent. And if that average is $2,147 a month, four and a half years, 56 months, eh, it's only $120,232. So that's the rent you paid. And while you're paying that, you're also still trying to save $1,000 a month. $120,232 that goes to nothing. Not improving your financial position in any way. It is the epitome of a catch-22. I've already described what that means. Nothing. Some author made it up. So you've got to try to save while you're spending on this necessity need your housing. So let's get even more wacky with it. Wacky? Dude. Come on, Sidoni. All right. Let's get even more nuts with it. If you save only $500 a month, because heck, who's got a thousand extra dollars a month? Well, that's going to take nine years and you're going to spend $242,464 in rent. So that's almost a quarter bill down the toilet. I'll get more into this a little bit later when we talk about the the fiscal philosophies, but let's keep going with the math because this is so much fun, isn't it? So if you want to save 20% down $1,000 a month for 56 months for four and a half years or $500 a month for 112 months for nine years and you want to do a true comparison, a real comparison on the numbers of buying at 5% down today versus doing the saving for four and a half years or nine years, there's one big thing we don't think about this when we're doing this future prognostication. I guarantee you in four and a half years or nine years, home prices and mortgage interest rates will be different. They're not going to be the same. How can you write this equation if you the future variable has no way to determine what it's going to be? What do you do? How do you figure this out and say I'm doing the right thing? See what I mean, man? This is not black and white. This is not a simple rule that works for everyone. There are no basic guidelines that work for everybody when it comes to buying a house. It just doesn't work that way. And the main reason it doesn't work that way is because we all buy at different times in the housing market cycles. It's that simple. You can't throw a blanket on top of this and say, this is the rule without looking at where you are in the market cycle. And I'm talking big pictures. The entire idea of saving and waiting to save to save you money in the future, well, it depends on the math, but the math is unknown because we're talking about two things in the future. So the question is, if you're sitting here today in 2022, where do you think interest rates are going to go? And where do you think housing prices are going to go? Now you have to ask that question no matter what time you do it, but it's never been more important than today. The math depends on how you predict the market. And if you can do that, cool, quit your job and go become a forecaster And you won't have to worry about how much money you need to buy a house or down payment because you're going to be a bazillionaire because nobody can do that. However, if you just want to listen to a panel of industry economists and hear their forecasts for 2022, 23 and beyond, it's all in episode 47, 48, 62 and 68 of the podcast. I just regurgitated all these smart guys and gave you all their stuff. The average estimate or forecast from these people, both the people who are negative and the people who are positive, no one's calling for a bubble. But they are expecting modest growth from 2022 to 2025 at about an average of 3.9%. 
So the home that costs you $375,000 today, well, you multiply that by 3.9% annually to see where you could end up in a few years. Now, the reason I'm using that is because if you needed to save at $1,000 a month, you'd need four and a half years. So let's see what would have happened to the house in the middle of 2025, the one you could have bought today for 5% down. So in 2022, $375,000 house increasing at 3.9%, that's going to be $389,625. In 2023, another 3.9% on top of that, $404,820. In 2024, your price goes up to $420,607. And then we'll give you another half a year, right? We said four and a half years. So instead of getting 3.9, I'm going to give you 1.8%. Don't check my math. I divided 3.9 by two. I know I'm correct. So that 1.8% extra now you're going to finish at $428,598. Okay, so the house that you didn't buy today that cost $375,000 today with 5% down, it's now worth $428,598. And you spent $120,232 on rent. So you missed $53,598 in appreciation and all you missed it while you were already paying the same amount every single month in your housing payment. So your rent, which gains you nothing, went out the door for $120,000 and you missed $53,598 in equity. Ah, numbers, numbers, numbers. This could be time for another break, huh? Okay, relax. See, that is the non-sexy long-term understanding and comprehending the housing market numbers. That's not me saying, dude, you missed out on 19% this year. Anyone could say that. That's easy. These are numbers for the regular market. But you're hearing people go savage on Dave Ramsey right now because of how much they lost in 2021. Ironically, it was about $56,700, <laughs> which is kind of funny because that's the difference between 5 and 20%. But these numbers that I'm giving right now, they're post- the psycho 19% 2021. I'm sorry you missed it. Some of my listeners didn't and they're super stoked and I am super stoked for them. Some people out there who don't listen to the podcast and aren't hearing me right now, they turn me off and they listen to Uncle Dave to be safe. But I saw one of the guys on TikTok in a uh, shower with the water hitting him in one of the TikTok trend songs and it was like, you know, listening to Dave Ramsey and saving 20% and then the font changed and said, realizing I missed $58,000 in equity. It was awesome. But again, those 2021 numbers, they're just candy. The real numbers that I just gave you, those are going forward. Now, are those numbers going to last forever? You know, no, but I've been doing this since 2006, helping first time buyers. And I tell them exactly the same thing I'm telling you right now. If you're running the long-term numbers, as long as you're going to stay in place for seven years, approximately around that, the numbers work. My belief is that the housing market is fluid. And that's, I say my belief, that's true. That's what happens. It goes up and down. <laughs> that's not a belief. That's a fact. Sorry, I'm into believe. I love Ted Lasso. So it is a fact. The housing market will go up and down. My belief is that you can't drop a blanket statement on anything, especially when it comes to housing, without taking into account one giant factor. When it comes to housing, all guidelines should adhere to this one thing. 
the individual client's long-term personal and financial goals related to home ownership and how those goals line up with today's current market conditions. Wherever you are, hit the 15-second rewind. Listen to that again. I'm not going to repeat it. Blanket statements are for the undisciplined people who need uber structure or they're going to run up their credit cards or spend money in this stupid way. And, you know, basically for a lot of you guys out there, if you're ready to adult even just a little bit and ready to make a plan for yourself, you can plan an extravagant lifestyle and be as bougie as you want, or you can be one of those crazy frugal people. The time to get the research so you can take advantage of what's happening today is right now. Love you guys. I don't know squat about your individual position, but I do study my butt off and I have provided hours of podcasts on the cost of waiting, as well as regurgitating predictions and forecasts from the best economists in the world. They say that in this equation, if you want to save to 20%, so you can save $337 a month because you want to play it safe and you don't want PMI. You're going to have to save $1,000 a month for four and a half years, and the house that you could have bought today at $375,000 is now worth $428,598, while you spent $120,232 in rent while also needing to save $1,000 a month. So how's that $337 a month savings feel now? Oh, and I didn't even mention the rent increases that will incur over this time period or the fact that if, no, no, not if, when interest rates go up, your payment is going to be hundreds of dollars higher. You see, yelling that point doesn't make it any more true. It's just true. Waiting in today's market will cost you. The math says so. All right, if you disagree with the forecasts, I get it. I understand why you could feel that way, so let me do the math for the it's safer argument. I'll go totally negative. So what if home prices go down in the next four and a half years? Well, first of all, it's not going to start immediately because it's still bananas out there and there are 20 and 25 people writing offers on every single home, so prices have to go up for at least a little while longer. But I'll do it. I'll go totally negative with you. Okay, so we'll humor you and say that happens. Now, if the Valentine's Day massacre happens and everything drops 10%. There's probably going to be all kinds of upheaval in the economy. And, you know, that means we're going to have to worry about interest rates and how that could affect things for you. Now, if you're a total real estate nerd like me, again, ladies or gentlemen, I'm taken. All right. So my wife is very excited about all the intricate real estate history stuff that I can tell her. In January 2021, we had the lowest interest rates in history at 2.66%. So, you know, I don't have a magic wand or a crystal ball or, well, I do have a Harry Potter wizard stick. Cost me like 60 bucks. Thanks, kids. Anyway, look, if interest rates change a little bit, then it could be something they need to do if we do hit some kind of weird recession. So let's just say that On Valentine's Day, everything drops 10%, okay? And I'm still humoring you in this scenario that that could ever happen because it can't. So anyway, an incredible twist of fate. Suddenly, on Valentine's Day, a million new homes appeared and they went on the market. And that started to change things a little bit. And the $375,000 home, it didn't go up anymore because there's so many homes on the the market and and the market starts that 10% drop. By the end of the year, these magical, mystical, enchanted, impossible inventory homes 
they've reduced the price. Well, let's say mortgage rates go up. Okay, so the homes have dropped from $375,000, 10% to $337,000. Okay, well now, if the mortgage rate goes from 3% to 4%, then your payment, it's only $10 less. So you're getting the same house at this huge discounted price, but if the mortgage rates move even one point, you're still paying almost exactly the same as if you bought it at 3%. And that's just one variable in the whole crazy, the market's gonna drop. So I'm done humoring you now. Listen to episode 47, 48, 62, and 68, because there's no way that a $375,000 home is gonna be worth $337,000 at the end of 2022, unless there's a global meltdown. And even if that happens, I still told you that, when they try to correct it and they adjust the interest rates, your payment's still going to be the same. So for all the people who think that waiting for prices to go down is mathematically going to save you money, eventually I encourage you to hit rewind and listen to how much you're going to pay in rent in that time. I hear this question all the time. So I'm going to be harsh because you know that I come from place of love. For almost all first-time home buyers, if you're waiting for discount prices, it simply doesn't work. The math it will cost you more, period. This is not a TV that you saw on Best Buy or online and suddenly you see it for $500 less. A bunch of other things happen and change and money you put out of your pocket happens before then. You pay big in rent every single month and that's just one of dozens of the other math factors. Everybody thinks, oh, I'm just gonna wait for it out. Well, how long have you been watching this? Uh, what? like a year, two, not, not even close. There are so many other pieces of this equation. Waiting for a price drop is a once in a generation timing. And so few people actually take advantage of it or in the right place in their life for this to happen. It doesn't happen, period. If you want to fight me on this, you know what? Don't go listen to another real estate podcast that's trying to tell you how you can get rich quick and then you just leave me alone. The other option is you can listen to episode 40, where I went into detail on buying now or waiting. You can listen to episode 44 on where I said how much you should put down and why. You can listen to episode 47 and 48 that talk about the bubble or no bubble. You can listen to episode 53 with Madison, who bought a house before her lease was up, even though she really didn't want to. And then you can listen to episode 55 with John and Adrian trying to beat their skyrocketing rents moving from another state. Or you can listen to episode 62 and 68, which gives you all the market forecasts from all the people way smarter than, I won't say they're smarter than you because I don't know you, but they're a hell of a lot smarter than me. And I'm a dork who eats real estate history for brunch. Then and only then, if you listen to every single one of those episodes and you still have what you think is a well-thought-out question, then send me an email and I'll see if you're part of the crazy, exceptional 1% of the people where your personal situation, it's really better for you to wait. Spoiler alert, it's not. See, gang, I've been getting this question for 15 years and I finally decided to record my answer to the question in this new fangled technology. It's called a podcast. I may have mentioned the episodes where I talked about it. And... Then I even recorded real people who went through this with me and they bought a home and they shared their thoughts about it on the podcast. Yet still, I consistently get DMs that say, dude, this is crazy. I've been paying attention to housing for like forever, man. Like seriously, it's been like 18 months, like nonstop. This market is bananas and it has to crash, right, dude? So that means like I have to wait it out. It doesn't make any sense. 
Okay, please listen to episode 40, 44, 47, 48, 53, 55, 62, and 68. So the big 20% guideline, the must not break mathematical rule, it has to take into account these predictions on pricing and morecast and mortgage inter- morecast <laughs> mortgage interest rates but if it's just a big simple rule it doesn't take that stuff into account remember the larger the better thought that i gave to you guys that decisions should be based on the individual client's long term personal and financial goals related to home ownership and how these goals line up with today's current market conditions now why isn't that on tiktok why isn't that the big popular thing that people are screaming to get you to come buy houses with them because it's boring as crap, but it makes sense. It's not actually as simple for everyone to digest, but with the right direction, I believe that you as a listener to this podcast can benefit so much more. And the bath, the math is going to back it up. This is still the math section. Sorry, gang, (laughs) more math. The money you put towards a home down payment, a percentage of that would be going towards your principal pay down of the home instead of being thrown away. What does that mean? There's mountains of data on that, on how the longer you own something and pay it down, the more appreciating asset that you're going to be creating, which will then increase your wealth. We did the four and a half year model, you saving $1,000 a month to get 20% down, you would have paid $120,232 in rent, which goes towards nothing. Or you could have purchased a home, paid that same monthly payment, and a percentage of that goes towards the home. Yes, that's an asset that you own. Will the entire monthly payment that you pay go towards reducing the principal of your home? No. Is it a debt? Yes. Does Dave Ramsey hate debt? Yes. Am I going to keep asking rhetorical questions? No, look, a portion of the money that you would already be throwing away monthly on your rent can go towards decreasing the principal on that new house that you own. It's something that you own. It's called managed debt. This is not a credit card payment for something that you bought a long time ago and you shouldn't have bought anyway because you couldn't afford to buy cash at the time. This is managed debt for a necessity item. Necessity, meaning it's something that you're going to have to pay for, have to pay for anyway. And if managed correctly, it can be a large portion of your future for financial portfolio. Woo, try saying that, future financial portfolio. And you know what? For a lot of you, it might be the biggest part of what you're doing forward. You're taking the same monthly payment, your largest monthly bill that you pay, and you're putting it towards something that you own. And if you stick with it for years, it's going to go up. And yes, it will go down. But historically, in every housing market except one, the giant crash of 2008, if you own a home for 10 years, and they did this all the way back to like the the Revolutionary War, I have no idea how they figured out housing stats back then, but if you own it for 10 years, you always come out ahead. So if you're saving for 20%, well, that you don't even start that process. You're, that's where your rent money goes. If you decide to transfer it with 5% down, Your rent money goes into a conservative, historically appreciating asset, which currently costs you about the same rent that you already pay, that you're getting zero return. And you can buy that asset for 5% down in the example I gave you, but many of my buyers buy for 3.5% down. Now, if you're still out there and you're still seething because you love Dave Ramsey and these numbers didn't give you 
just a little moment of pause. <sighs> okay. You know what? I'm not going to judge you yet because that's not what we do. I won't judge you if you don't judge me. Let's keep talking. Let's stay curious. I believe Dave is a man with his heart in the right place, but his advice is old school and conservative that if you have even an ounce of self-discipline, you can set you and your family up in better ways. So beyond the numbers, I know I threw a ton of numbers out at you, so feel free to print them out at, and review them at howtobuyhome.com. So now I'll get to the philosophy side of things. When you work a budget, lots of financial gurus have you know, a, a lot of different philosophies, but there's one thing they always talk about. It's the have-to monthly payments, the have-to. Food, shelter, utilities, transportation. You know, if you want to, you can go nuts and you can spend a ton of money on that and live your bougie life. Spend way too much and live over your means. But let's assume that you are a hardcore budgeting frugal McGee and you live way below your, your means. You never go out. You just binge in your house like a hermit and you're sucking down ramen like it's crack cocaine. But let's assume you are a saver. Good for you. Good job. And you're on a budget. Can you actually gain wealth with one of those half two payments? Only a small return on your savings that you're going to get, albeit long-term returns on investments and retirement. And don't forget, those savings and investments are not part of your half-to. So let's go back to that. Your half-to, food, shelter, utilities, and transportation. Can you somehow gain with that? Well, there are schools of thought that believe it's time to change the old-school dinosaur narrative. For those of you that live in the real world of the 2020s, your rent is a half-to payment every month, shelter, and you can turn it into a long-term wealth builder. Imagine your car payment went to an appreciating asset instead of a depreciating one. Or imagine that for those of you who don't drive, that you had a $50 a month bill for electricity. I assume that all of you have electricity because you're listening to the podcast and you need to electrify your device to put me into your ear holes. So let's say that your $50 a month electricity bill was $2,000 instead of 50 bucks. What if you could buy a generator that costs you $2,000 a month payments, but the $2,000 a month payment that you pay for it actually goes towards owning the generator. So sometime you wouldn't have a bill anymore. You see where I'm going with all this? Yeah, you get it, right? So, yeah, the generator costs, surprise, $375,000. See, it's a debt, but it's a have-to necessity that you are already going to pay anyway. You need electricity, you need a roof. In 2020s, we're here now in this new current market. When you can borrow money for such a low interest rate for that have-to payment, why would you try to work to save the larger amount? Because we know your rents are going to go up. And the one thing about buying a house is that it's fixed it stays. For many of you, including me in the 1990s, this is a half-to that for some reason just seems scary to you like it did to me back in the 1990s. And it, I couldn't figure out a way in the simplest terms to make it work for me. The day that you start renting, this becomes a half-to payment. And that fear that you have, it derives from the old thinking. It's, in my opinion, outdated philosophies and they Today, they really aren't giving you any credit. Like you're never going to earn any more money or you're not going to have any success in life. Or it's 
financial advice geared at people that may have a lifelong salary, you know, like a factory worker from the 1950s, who knows exactly what they're going to be making and their, what their earning potential is for life. And this keeps you safe, you know, because God forbid you could ever use your brain and figure out some information and see how to build wealth a different way. Remember the story that I told you guys in one of my old episodes about uh, the postman who made $17,000 a year, but once he realized that if he put an extra 20% away that he could make a ton of money, he never made more than $20,000 a year and he retired with like 70 something million dollars. So philosophies change, things change. Dave says you shouldn't buy a house unless you have 20% down. I totally disagree. I debated this fact with uh, one of my fellow podcasters, a very successful podcast called How to Money, Joel. He came on my podcast, I think it was like episode 15, 16, something like that. Oh, episode 15, that's right. I respect Joel immensely, so I discussed it with Joel. Now, I thought about trying to talk to Dave, but he's kind of busy, and I think he doesn't like people disagreeing with him. So what did I do instead of having a discussion with Dave because I knew he wouldn't talk to me? I researched. I went back and I listened to all of his, because uh, I do audiobooks, so I listened to all of his published stuff, and I also listened to him being interviewed about him and his company, and that was really great because I got to hear why he does what he does. It was great because I got curious. You know, to a lot of people, he's a hero. He's changed a lot of lives. He's saved a lot of lives. Do I agree with everything he says? No, 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 no. Do I agree that his intentions are earnest and come from a good place and just gosh darn wholesome? Yeah, from what I've heard. And when I hear him speak, he's a man who personally struggled with crippling debt and bankruptcy himself, I believe. And he came out on the other side. And so he decided to dedicate himself to helping others so that they never have the awful feeling that he lived with for years. Now, in my book, that's just plain noble. He helps people feel better, but one of the ways he does it is by you adopting a safe and foolproof system. You never have to worry if you follow his plan, but like all financial philosophies, there are principles that are so safe that it still has room to adapt and still be very fiscally prudent. I was gonna say still say safe, but it's not as safe as the ultimate conservative, but it's still very safe, especially when we're talking about the have to that you already pay for, that you can manage this debt. It's a managed debt, even though Dave's whole thing is all debt is awful. So if you're already spending $2,000 a month for nothing, there has to be a way for you to leverage that. Smart managed debt with income that is earmarked to be spent on shelter. Sometimes because America is such a debt-ridden society, we swing the pendulum way too far and try to get people to save. I know some of you are going to use this information and abuse it. <laughs> They're going to say, Sidoni told me to do that, man. I can't help it. People do that. I've said it over and over again. I'm going to sleep just fine knowing that I already told my listening audience there is no one blanket answer for everyone, yet people are going to do it. But I know I've told you this over and over. There isn't one answer. But I do believe that most of you have a lot of room to work here, and I think you can handle it. It's not crazy advanced thinking. Scratch that. I'm not telling you what to think. I'm simply pointing out the math of the waiting and letting you make the decision. When I took the time and I researched it, I looked at it, I realized that in many ways, Dave's not a wealth. Dave's philosophy of doing this thing so safe, it's, it's not a wealth builder. It's a salary protector. The philosophy is trying to save people, and I want to uplift people. Remember I said that we have a huge debt problem in the United States and Canada too, but 
if you have all your stuff together and you know your numbers, you're going to see that it's a waste to be renting in this new era. And I say new because these philosophies are 20 and 30 years old. And Dave hasn't shifted this super conservative and super safe philosophies, even with all the hate that he's getting right now. It's just ignoring the important changing factors that we have. We've got rent hikes, low interest rates, and rising inflation, not to mention any theory on having no credit cards because you're trying to make sure that people absolutely can't get themselves in trouble again. Well, good luck trying to buy a house when you don't have any credit. Buying a home, it's the only way you can accumulate any sort of stability since you already make your largest monthly payment to rent. Well, I should take that back. It's not the only way. It's the easiest way. You know, the math is there. Hell, if you're one of those people that has a nice, slow and steady life that you're very happy with, you know, maybe you're getting a 3% salary increase. Are you telling me that's going to cover rent? You know, <laughs> if the rents raise even as little as 4%, you can't ever save anything. And that's just one part of the equation. There are a million different financial consultants that tell you the exact opposite things when it comes to a mortgage. Some say pay it off as quickly as you can and never have a mortgage. That's what Dave says. Some say the exact opposite. And they say you always want to have a mortgage and you want to use the leverage so that you can do different things with your finances. Now, I'm not a financial consultant, but I can advise you that for most people, if you follow a blanket statement that's ultra conservative, you have no options. Now, I'm not saying go all the way to the other side, but I am saying that cash is king and if you're leveraging this managed, smartly managed debt, you do have the options because you'll have more cash and you're working with a low interest loan. Now, I know that statement freaks a lot of people out. And I'm not talking about, you know, putting low money down on a house so you can take the rest of your savings and spend it on crypto or NFTs or anything nuts like that. I'm not telling you to put it into your startup company or to invest in some crazy stock. I'm talking about just leveraging the loan for your half to payment that you have to make every month so you can have possibly some extra cash for yourself to handle the ups and downs of life. Now, again, this doesn't come from a risky get rich quick scheme. I'm not trying to sell you a seminar or tell you to come and buy my investment properties. This is not coming from a capitalistic view, trying to tell you to buy cheap homes and use the extra money to come and learn all how to be even richer with me. That always cracks me up. Learn how to be richer with me. Then why are you hawking a $700 seminar? Anyway, it certainly doesn't come from me because I want you to come to me and buy a house from me for my business. That's not why I start the podcast. Podcasts go everywhere. How many of you are going to come to me, right? I give you the facts, the market history, and then I ask you exactly where you are. And for some of you out there, you might be where I was when I was 21 years old, and maybe you don't want to waste $104,000 in rent like I did in the 1990s. This is not a sales pitch to beef my sales. This is me telling as many people as I can about this. I spit the knowledge and I dropped the truth bombs because I discovered I could help more people by doing it here in this microphone, in this podcast. And at this point in my life, as an old guy, I said it, drink age. Yeah, as an old guy, I'm down with this. This is what I want to do. I want to help you guys out. I don't care how many people buy houses today. And if you listen to the podcast, you know I sure as hell don't care that people buy houses to save the real estate industry. Oh no, in fact, I wanna start a revolution and I wanna burn the whole real estate industry down and start over. 
I want to see things on a fair and equitable level playing field. One where first-time buyers get real and earnest advice to help them plan, not just to help them purchase when they're ready. So in the meantime, I'm just going to tell you guys what's up. And if it's right for you and you have the opportunity to take advantage of it, go for it. But remember, real estate's all about timing. The timing of your have-to housing payment with the timing of the ever-changing, ever-fluid housing market. This is about you and what you can do in today's market to help yourself. Be safe, but you can be safe in a way to take advantage of what's happening now. Dave's telling you how to be ultra-safe and ultra-smart and Of course, that's going to work for everyone, but it's also going to miss some big opportunities, not risks, just sensible math and sensible opportunities in the modern world with different rents and different interest rates. I'm telling you, I believe in you and I believe in your ability to be smarter. I don't think you need to be spoon fed the simplest way to do things, the most basic guaranteed foolproof plan. Let's think about foolproof plan. A foolproof plan means that somebody thinks you're a fool. I think you're smarter than that. I think you can see the math. I think you can make your own choices. I think you can realize what is a risk and what isn't a risk. And I think that you can use that and live your best life. Okay, some ultra-conservative financial systems are fantastic for some people. Setting good foundations and no one gets in trouble and they're safe for everybody. But I'm here for the next step. Now, that sounds like I'm trying to say, you're ready, let's go. No, no, I'm saying the first step for a lot of you guys doesn't have to be so crazy feet in quicksand. I'm not talking 10 steps ahead like some guy trying to sell you something. Even if you believe that the next step is safe for you, I do want to make sure everyone understands this isn't for everyone. And you should be careful in anything you do because this is going to be the biggest day of your life. My goal is to help the folks who can grasp this math, but understand also, guys, the math isn't that complicated. Go back and listen to it. It's not something a lot of people in the industry take the time to explain to you, and that's why I started the podcast. My intention comes from that place. I want to educate as many of you as I can. And why? Well, because just like Dave's got a backstory, I've got a backstory. I didn't go bankrupt like Dave did, but you know, I didn't have my life destroyed. But you know what? Someone could have told me back when I was 21 years old that maybe... Maybe if I thought about buying a house instead of renting and spending $104,000 of rent over those eight, nine years when I lived in Hollywood, that I would have financially set myself up with hundreds of thousands of dollars instead of just getting back my $1,500 security deposit when I was 28 years old. I agree with Dave on being a person who once missed out on financial opportunities. His was a lot deeper than mine. He went bankrupt and I learned something. I didn't you know, I wasn't destitute in my 20s, but I did learn how much I missed. So I'm trying to educate you and help you guys be financially free. When I started the podcast, what's really interesting is people used to ask me, why are you wasting your time giving this free advice away to people who are like our lowest paychecks? How does that make any business sense for you? You know, what's funny. You know what I used to say? I used to say, well, because I want to be the Dave Ramsey to first time homebuyers. Like Dave, my goal is to help as large of an audience as I can and make good decisions for a topic that I just feel isn't discussed enough. Kind of like the same way he feels about savings. It's not being discussed enough in America. I think first-time home buying, you're not getting enough good advice. You're not getting talked to. 
I've seen the math work when mortgage rates were at 7% back in 2006, and I've seen it work recently at mortgage rates at 2.66%. A lot of times, in a lot of places in this country, rent equals mortgage. Now, if you made this decision that you don't want to live with your parents forever and that you don't want to rent forever, what's next? Well, that means you're going to buy a home. Part of that decision should be based on the fact that when, not if, when interest rates go up to a 4% interest rate or 5 or 6 or 7%, well, then the math starts making way more sense that you need to get that mortgage as soon as you can and lock it in. Because remember, you're going to lock in a low payment and those low rates are the lowest in history and they're going to go up while you save the 20%. And that means that you're going to be buying less house with the exact same monthly payment. Does that make sense to you? If it doesn't, please, please, please don't blow this theory off until you understand it. Though because of where the rates are right now, because prices are moving, this is a huge decision that you need to be jumping into right now. And you didn't understand all the math, all the market trends, all the calculations. There is no blanket statement. I wish there was. I'm sorry, guys, there isn't. You know, bless your heart, Dave, but I totally disagree with you on this one. I'm sure this rule, when it was originally made, rates were probably double they were today and rents were a lot cheaper and not out of control. Now, if you're not good with money and you can't figure this all out, then maybe going safe is a better call for you. Uh, go for it. That's fine. Save your 20%. But if you're feeling stuck, if you're feeling like the system screwed you and you won't ever be able to make this work and you want to understand your options, be curious about this, not judgmental, and let the math be your guide. This is a message for the 20-somethings that think the system is rigged. This is a message for the 30-somethings out there who want a lifeline. This is a message for the 40 and 50-somethings out there who are trying to build a legacy now instead of just survive. I mean, these are some positive options to help you beat the system. And damn, I feel you. 20% down just feels like a lot to have to save. So maybe that's not your option. And if you are one of those 20-somethings right now who's who's hearing this and you're realizing you can take advantage of it and not pull a Sidonian in his 20s, dope, go for it. And maybe you're afraid. I understand that. Being super safe and living debt-free, it's the most basic way to live. And of course, it's the easiest way for you to avoid any failure. You can hide all your money under a rock and you're definitely going to be safe. And you can also go the other way. You can take all your money and you can buy Bitcoin and trading cards and NFTs and do all kinds of crazy things. But the world isn't black and white. And there's a huge valley in between those two extremes. And somewhere in there, you know, probably even over more towards the conservative side, you can safely still take advantage of the current marketplace and build your wealth. Dave is old school and holding on to an old idea. And you know what? The old garden real estate's doing the same thing. 20%, it's an idea from a simpler time. Don't get confused. I'm not saying that times have changed and that the millennials all got screwed and the older generation doesn't understand that we can't figure out what to do because the 1% screwed us and you have no idea what it is because you ruined it for us. No, I, look, I sympathize with a lot of those thoughts, but I'm far more practical. I'm just looking at the math. Dave's system is trying to make sure that you're not going to fail. It's simple. It's one, two, three. It's don't do debt. Debt is bad. Unmanaged debt is bad. America has a problem. Don't do it. Totally. I hear that. But right now, for some of you, your best course of action might be to, you know, totally go safe. Maybe you can't handle this. But many of you who feel like those millennials I was talking about, like the system's working against you, there's an opportunity for you. It's just not a lot of people are out there telling you. 
The math is different now and the old algorithms don't cut it anymore. Remember, all this is predicated only if you've done your own personal math. Marketing people tell me all the time that, you know, I just need to make it simple for everybody and just give everybody a one, two, three on how to buy a home. Well, I wish I could, but I won't because it's wrong because I want you to be safe. You know, I want you to be safe and prosperous at the same time. And there's only one way you can do that. You got to work out your personal math. That's not one, two, three. It takes work. And if you don't want to do it, don't say that I told you that you can buy a home and run out and buy a home and without doing the research because that plan is whack and you're going to get in trouble. So I'm telling you, you know, you guys can do this. I've got a lot of friends who are right brainers. They're, you know, creative types and they hate all the numbers. They call me and they grill me with the math questions and they want me to explain to them how to buy a home and I try to explain it to them and then after like five minutes because I don't have pretty charts and all kinds of fancy graphics they say yeah forget it well you know what <laughs> I said screw them and I'm tired of helping all my creative friends and I decided to start a podcast for anyone who would listen I'm just gonna buy myself an artist loft and rent it out to all those yahoos but you it doesn't take that much my friends have the attention span of a gnat you guys, you can figure this out. So how do you do it? How do you make your own personal plan? Well, you don't do it on your own. You need a super bad. Now that's not bad meaning bad, but bad meaning good. Run DMC in the house. Wait, I got the shoes. For those of you listening, I just put up my old school Adidas. Anyway, it's not bad meaning bad. It's bad meaning good. You need a super bad unicorn real estate team. You need a unicorn realtor, unicorn lender. You need a guide in your area. It's a team that's going to take a look at your full financial picture. It's not going to be a simple one, two, three. It's going to be more like a one, two, three, seven, five, nine, right, right, left, right, right, left, left, toggle. It's a cheat code from my old PlayStation. Anyway, if you're still out there and you're still listening right now, God bless you. You really must want to figure this out. Or you're Dave Ramsey's legal team and you're getting every piece of information to build a case against me. Hi, lawyers. Remember where I said all the stuff that I believed in some of his philosophies on debt management and that I thought it was really helpful for people? Cool. Please don't sue me. Yeah, I don't care. I totally disagree with Dave's philosophy on when to pull the trigger. And if you'd like to do it and you're curious and you want to go deeper into your own personal numbers, then if you want that, the easiest way to do it is just reach out, send me a DM. David Sedoni on Instagram. It's also davidsedoni.com or howtobuyahome.com. Just fill out the information and I'll let you know if we know any good unicorns in your area. I've had hundreds of hundreds of buyers that have listened to the podcast and I've hooked them up with someone in their area who helps them with their own personal situation because it's the right thing to do. And I really believe in this. And like I said, if you want to reach out to me and, and send me your questions, that's awesome. You know, that's cool. I'll take a look at them and I'll see if I can answer it for you, but not unless you've listened to all those podcasts and got the information. All right. And also, you know, if you're out there researching other people, great, but just make sure you check the source, make sure that they have a track record, make sure that they come from a good place. And unfortunately, even with uncle Dave, sometimes people come from a good place. It's not necessarily still keeping up with the times. The bottom line is, if you want to do this, you should be fully informed on how and when to do it. Find the resources that can help you. Because if you listen to this entire podcast, damn, you are serious about this. And that means I know you can do this. <laughs>